Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alamin. Wa sallallahu wa sallama wa baraka ala sayyidina wa habibina wa nabiyana Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Ashadu an la ilaha illallahu wahdahu la sharika lah. Wa ashadu anna muhammadan abduhu wa rasuluhu amma ba'd. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi and welcome to another podcast or another episode of the Seekers and Sleepers podcast. I'm your host, Abu Alia. And today we will be looking at something which we can practice almost straight away. Today's uh, talk is called Traits of the True Seekers or Characteristics of the True Seekers, a reflection on Surah Al-Mu'minun, the first 11 verses. So in the, tw- the 23rd chapter of the Qur'an, 23rd Surah, Surah Al-Mu'minun, in the first 11 verses, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about the traits or the characteristics of the believer or of a believer. And it is the believer's qualities and characteristics that we are trying to imbibe and internalize in our own lives as uh, seekers of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the afterlife. When we discussed in one of the earlier podcasts the idea or the Islamic concept of a Adorn yourself with the qualities of godliness. Literally, it means adorn yourself with the qualities of God. But here it means godliness. Adorn yourself with the qualities of godliness. Then we know what the traits or the qualities of godliness are from two particular angles. The first of those angles is by uh, reflecting upon what the Qur'an describes as piety, righteousness and godliness. So these descriptions of the believers that we're going to go through today, they are traits and qualities of godliness, of righteousness, uh, because Allah is describing the true believers with such characteristics. And so those are the types of characteristics and qualities that we want to adorn ourselves with inwardly and outwardly. Uh, If the character, if our character can take root in our hearts, all the better. But if it cannot, and uh, and it's an issue of, well, I have to put on good character then as long as my intention is to please Allah and to keep people away from the bad aspects of my character and and thereby I put on good character, I put on a show, then this is fine and this is not considered hypocrisy in Islam. However, if it isn't for the sake of Allah, or nor is it uh, from the angle of keeping people away from uh, my own character, uh, harmful characteristics and, and traits, then it's possible it could be showing off 
or hypocrisy or being two-faced. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us. Um, the idea of trying to better our character, and though it hasn't yet taken root, certain qualities haven't taken root, to try to demonstrate them outwardly is still a good thing. And that's why the Prophet sallallahu says in, a, in an authentic hadith, Indeed, knowledge is by learning it, meaning going out, striving to learn it, going out and striving to learn it. Knowledge is by uh, learning it, by applying effort. And hilm, mildness, that idea of having a mild, forbearing nature. You don't get ruffled up too quickly. You don't get angry too quickly. You're quite poised and balanced. That's the quality of hilm, of mildness. Then the Prophet said, Mildness is by tahallum imposing it on yourself so sometimes there are children that are born with certain good quality traits and they miss out uh, they don't have others and they have to work on them through their lives uh, especially their their young teen life and adult life and that idea of working on those virtues and those uh, good qualities or characteristics that we may lack by our own natural disposition, then that idea of working on them so as to root them in our hearts, that's the idea behind the Prophet saying, knowledge is by actively learning it, actively going out to seek it, and Mildness, mildness for those who don't have it naturally, is by imposing it on oneself. So in the beginning, something happens and it ruffles my feathers and I get angry and my face screws up and I go red in the face or whatever color of anger. And there was no need to do so. And I know that. So I think to myself, next time, next time I won't behave so uh, rashly, I won't. I, you know, I won't let things uh, just ignite me just like that. And so then I make more of an effort, and so next time something happens that ruffles my feathers, I'm not so ruffled. I'm. I manage by gritting my teeth and kind of like inwardly persevering. I manage to keep a sense of calm, a sense of proportion, but it's still a struggle, and maybe it's like that. For many, many weeks or many more, many more months to come, perhaps even years in, in a few odd cases. But eventually, when I keep trying to root that quality in me, inshallah ta'ala, by the grace and the, uh, the grace and the mercy of Allah, that quality trait will not just be something I impose on myself and have to grit my teeth whilst doing it, but it will be something that flows naturally naturally from inside of me because now it is an inward character trait that I can manifest and display uh, whenever needed inshallah ta'ala
that's the nature of of uh, instilling good qualities and good characteristics in us. Sometimes Allah, through His wisdom, allows us to be uh, to be born with such qualities or to find uh taken uh, on board such qualities fairly easy and we might start doing that from a, a young age that's why you find some young kids you know two three-year-old kids uh when other kids come to play with them and all the toys are there the young kid is saying go you you play with my toy as well and and the, and the, uh, this baby boy or baby girl is actually giving his toy to other kids He's happy. He he's happy when he sees other kids happy, and then you get, and then you get some kids who like uh, they will never give their toy away. They will never part with their toy. We do this when we're adults as well, right? They'll not only never part with their toy, but they might start grabbing and snatching away other people, uh, other uh, uh, the toys of the other kids, and they kind of hoard them. That's it, and so they don't have that natural. Uh, natural generosity and it's very likely that they may have to work upon the quality of being generous uh, th throughout their lives okay that's just as an example um, so let's look at the 23rd chapter of the Quran Surah Al-Mu'minun it's a Makkan Surah it was revealed uh, not early on in Makkah but in the middle period of Makkah or so many of our scholars say and we want to listen to the words of our lord to see what he subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us about the traits that he loves in a believer and so he describes the true believer with such traits الذين هم في صلاتهم خاشعون والذين هم عن اللغو معرضون والذين هم للزكاة فاعلون والذين هم لفروجهم حافظون إلا على أزواجهم أو ما ملكت أيمانهم فإنهم غير ملومين فمن ابتغى وراء ذلك فأولئك هم العادون والذين هم لأماناتهم وعهدهم راعون والذين هم على سلواتهم يحافظون أولئك هم الوارثون الذين يورثون الفردوس هم فيها خالدون First 11 verses of Surah Mu'minun, the 11th chapter, the 23rd chapter of the Qur'an in the name of Allah, the All-Merciful, the Compassionate, قَدْ أَفْلَحَ الْمُؤْمِنُونَ Successful indeed are the believers. Those who are humble in their prayer, first quality, those who shun vain talk, those who pay the zakat, 
and those who guard their chastity except from their wives and what their right hands possess for then there are not they are not to blame but those who seek what is beyond that those are the transgressors and those who keep their trusts and their uh, promises and who carefully guard their prayers these are the inheritors who will inherit paradise wherein they shall abide forever so in these 11 verses allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about six qualities or awsaf traits or characteristics that uh, a muslim should aspire to the true believer has and so today's seekers and sleepers podcast is uh, looking at these traits in order to bring them into our own lives by the grace of allah so allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the first verse and remember we're not doing deep tafsir we're not looking into deep quranic commentary but we uh, we will have to engage with some uh, basic level of commentary now and again just to help us understand and contextualize things otherwise we're trying to have a basic tadabbur a basic reflection contemplation upon the essential meanings of what we read so as long as we are not trying to make fatwas according to our own opinions and as long as we are not saying this is definitely what allah means and this is the tafsir of this verse for without knowledge both doing both of those things will be one of the greatest kabair one of the greatest of the monstrous sins one of the greatest of the major sins and as long as we are just doing what say a non-muslim may do if she or he is interested in islam they may get hold of a translation of the quran and read some passages or even try to work work their way from uh, through it from beginning to the end and just get the overall understanding uh, or overall idea of what's being said without any deep context or meaning providing we're doing something of that sort then this is the way that we must be relating to the book of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the book of allah is there to be read reflected upon understood and in uh, uh, practiced and internalized and if we can communicated to others okay it can't just be something that we read in uh, a, a a language arabic classical arabic at that and we have no idea what it's saying and nor are we interested in what it's saying it just becomes uh, a holy text that we just uh hymn or we uh, we we chant or we recite and it has absolutely little bearing on changing and transforming our lives that would be one of the greatest levels of disrespecting the quran of course uh even if we read the quran and we don't understand it inshallah ta'ala according to what uh, uh, uh the scholars have said we will inshallah get rewarded but our intention cannot be that's, that that will be my only relationship with the Quran. 
because that would be a form of disrespecting the book and disobeying Allah. Because Allah says that the Quran is there for tadabbur, tafakkur, reflection, contemplation, being understood so that it can begin to inwardly and outwardly transform me in terms of what I believe, what I say, and how I behave and act. Successful indeed are the believers. And then Allah describes who these believers are. Those who have khushur in their prayer. They are khashi'oon because they are people of khushur, which I've, which I've translated as humble. But actually, those who in their prayer are khashi'oon, those who are humble in their prayer, the word khushur, khushur is that quality which is related to fear and awe. Because of Allah's majesty and majesticness because Allah to coin an American phrase is awesome right uh, then the believer's heart has that fear and awe of Allah and that fear and awe in the heart gives rise to focus in prayer the heart is present, the mind is focused on what it is doing and what it is saying. And the awe and fear in the heart, the khushu in the heart gives rise to a certain stillness of the limbs in that they are not fidgety and the eyes aren't looking here and there and the head's not turning this way, whatever, and, and we're not doing this and... Oh, my watch, looking at my watch, doing my scarf a hundred times in the prayer and all that other silliness. No, because of the awe, the ta'zeem of Allah and the and the uh, and the, the khawf of Allah, this, this fear and awe comes together to help us focus in prayer, understand what we're saying in prayer and make our limbs reverently still. We have... Re humble reverence in front of Allah so we're not fidgeting in fact the sunnah will teach us that the best way part of the best way to have humble rever reverence in prayer is uh, that we should fix our gaze on the place of, prost of prostration of sajda in prayer so that our eyes aren't going this way or that way unnecessarily fix our gaze in the uh, towards the place place of prostration or thereabouts, inward khushu leads to that outward stillness, such that the limbs have sukoon. They are reverently still for the sake of their Lord, and that is why we find in the books of Tafsir. When the various classical scholars and early uh, Muslim imams are asked, 
well, what is khushu in the prayer? Some of this, some of them said, or one of them said to fix your gaze at the place of prostration. The other one said not to fidget in the prayer. The other one said that the heart should be uh, uh, concentrating on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and understanding what the tongue and the limbs are doing and saying and doing. Uh, it's because each one of these people were speaking about an important aspect of the prayer just to give us an idea. But in reality, all that they said is part of khushu. Interestingly, it's the very first trait, not just prayer, but how we pray, subhanAllah. So not only has Allah made prayer the first trait, the first quality that he describes the, the person of Iman, the believer with, but it's not just prayer, it's how one is in prayer that we should have. Khushur. Reverent humility and hum humbleness outwardly, whilst the heart is filling up with awe and fear uh, and reverence of Allah Jalla Jalalahu. First quality, those who in their prayer have khushur. And then the second quality in verse 3, those who shun lahu, vain, vain talk vain conversation it's as if allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us that look the believers will indeed be successful in fact one can translate it by saying because the word qad the particle qad can be used for something that has already happened you know uh, madi in the past so uh, the, the the believers are in uh, ha have indeed been successful and it's something that's already happened. And Qad can be a mudari for the future. That the believers will indeed be successful. In this case, if they take on certain traits. Okay, so it, it can be read that way. And the first one is those who are humble in their prayer. So the prayer is made first and not just prayer, as I said, how we do it. And those who shun vain conversation, it's as if Allah subhanahu wa is saying that you won't be able to truly be have khushur in your prayer unless in your day-to-day -day life you start shunning lahu, which has been which has been translated here as vain talk or useless conversation, or idle conversation. The word lahu in the Qur'anic language can mean many things, even in this context. It can mean something which is not haram, it's, so it can definitely mean uh, sin and disobedience. Sin and disobedience is part of lahu. Shirk, okay, uh, ascribing partners to Allah in the worship of Allah or ascribing partners to Allah in that which is specific to Allah and only Allah. Shirk is described as lahu uh, in the Quran. But lahu can also be that type of talk or action which isn't necessarily sinful, let alone shirk, 
but it is idle, useless, waste of time. And so it's lahu, it's futile conversation. Why am I speaking so much? Yes, there are some important things to say. Yes, there are social graces. Uh, you know, I, I should ask how you are. Um, I, I should greet you. Um, things like that. Yes, there can be some banter. Well, you know, um, what do you think of the weather today? Just for the sake of social conveniences. We are social creatures after all, and someone might someone might find it rude uh, if I don't do these things, uh, engage with them in this way. And so uh, a Muslim doesn't want to come across as rude unnecessarily. Um, not so much because it reflects badly on me, because but greater than that, it reflects badly on Allah's deen. Okay, forget about me. Right, that's not the, me isn't the issue. It's the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There's something bigger than us at stake. But in reality, both the Quran and the Sunnah teach the believers not to speak too much. Because most of this speak is lahu, it's a waste of time. I'm talking about Okay, so I've now asked you how you are. We briefly discussed the weather. Uh, uh, you know, am I going into work or I'm, uh, do I stay at home in this COVID pandemic? Do I work from home or do I still go into work? A useful question. Why not discuss that? But then after that, uh, this film, this film star, this pop star, this, that, this, this, that, that, that. Most of that conversation is just futile, is low. A waste of time for for a Muslim, because the believer, the Muslim, she or he understands that every breath is priceless. Every second counts, and time is just such a precious gift, not to be squandered. Because if I indulge in either talk that doesn't concern me, and remember the saying of the Prophet ﷺ, part of a person's beautiful Islam is leaving alone that which doesn't concern them. So speaking about things that are of no benefit to me, of no concern to me, let alone that they may be sin, is something that it all comes under lahu, and the Muslim has been, uh, we have been told in the Quran that the true believer doesn't have this trait. They turn away from lahu. And lahu, our scholars sum it up by saying, lahu is action or speech, la fa'ida fihi aw la khayra fihi. Lahu is speech or actions which has no good in them or no or no benefit in them so whilst i'm just rambling on wasting my time speaking about this useless thing or that useless thing uh, even if it is the topic of today on the internet even though it's kind of you know it's kind of trending on social media uh, 
but the believer, the intelligent believer, she or he knows, but that in that time I could have just said subhanallah walhamdulillah wa la ilaha illallah wallahu akbar wa la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would have forgiven me some sins raised me in darajat drawn me closer to him and because I remembered him he uh, I remembered him to myself then in the hadith there occurs whoever remembers me to himself i will remember him to myself whoever remembers me to a, a gathering i will remember him to a gathering better and greater than that remember me and i shall remember you to be remembered in that specific way by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why am I trading that for just gossip and conversation, which really has no benefit in it at all? And it's not just what we say and what we do, but it's also our social media engagement. The same rules apply. Most of what we read, most of what we may hear, most of what constitutes trending news on social media, most of that is lahu. And we are, Allah is telling us, uh, they make irad, they turn away, they actively turn away from it. They switch off. They switch off from it to the remembrance of the dhikr of Allah. They switch off from it to uh, giving good counsel and, uh, and reminders to others. They switch off from it to uh, seek istighfar for their own sins and disobedience. They switch off from it to say kind words to people as part of their khidmah, their service to others, even by just trying to make someone um, smile, bring a smile to someone's uh, face just by saying some nice, comforting uh, words. Our scholars have said, when we're unable to turn away from lahu and the heart is just poison, drips of poison coming to the heart bit by bit by bit by bit, hardening it and veiling it bit by bit by bit from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then uh, it's going to be very difficult, nigh on impossible to have khushu in the prayer. And the scholars differ, is khushu an obligation in the prayer or is it uh, highly recommended? And even if we were to take the position of the majority, the jumhur, that khushu is recommended in the prayer, not an obligation. Rather, what is an obligation is hudur al-qalb being focused in the prayer presence of heart so that we know what we're saying but actually the whole fruit of the prayer even if it's not an obligation the whole or the very spirit the very core of the prayer is khushu it's the very spirit of the prayer so even if it's not an obligation as per a fiqh ruling a fiqhi ruling but as a spiritual reality, it is the greater goal in the prayer to have that 
fear, reverence and awe of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala such that the limbs manifested in the prayer. But if we're not shunning vain talk, we're not turning off. Okay, this is not, oh, nothing's come on my Facebook feed, my social media feed. No, that's not mu'aridun. That's not turning away. That's just, oh, it happens it happens to be the case that there's nothing on there. No, there should be an active turning away from such darkness, from a lot of times such uh, uh, despicability, uh, things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala detests. Speech Imam al-Ghazali has in his Ihya al-Mudina, a really excellent, perhaps one of the most excellent discussions on the tongue and speech and the 20 types of speech and how some of that uh, some of that speech is makro is really detested by Allah some of it like backbiting slandering lying deceiving is clearly haram and um, some uh, and and tail carrying namima gossiping in order to split people up is clearly haram but other things aren't haram they're makro like just um just idol gossiping, talking about things though, though it isn't clearly haram, but it's la fa'ida fihi wa la khayra fihi. There's no benefit in it. There's no benefit. It's just chit chat. And the Prophet did say, whoever believes in Allah on the last day, let him speak good or keep silent. So he didn't say, let him speak good or well, if it's balanced, then okay, you can. If the good is equal to the bad, you can speak. No, if the speech is good, let him speak it. Otherwise, if the speech contains an equal good and an equal bad, as a general rule of thumb, we don't speak it. One of the great sunnas that is missing, e missing even from those who quote unquote consider themselves to be the defenders of the sunnah, right? going around saying that we are the, the rightly guided Muslims and so on and so forth. One of the great uh, traits of Islam missing is these is, is periods of silence. Man samata naja, in the authentic hadith of the Prophet he who, is, he who is silent is saved. Okay? Meaning silence when there is no need to be speaking, silence when there is no benefit in talking, silence when the good that we're going to say or what we're going to say contains less good than than bad or than I, um, uh, idle talk, then don't say, just let's learn to, to keep quiet. But you know what? <laughs> we moderns find it incredibly uncomfortable when people aren't talking, when we aren't talking and people aren't talking around us. Just to have some silence, a period of silence, even amongst fellow Muslims who understand the virtues of this, it's almost impossible today. And by silence, I also mean it doesn't mean silence, silently looking at our texts and whatever, because that's still engaging in some conversation in some form or fashion. Yeah, as uh, as as uh, Brother Jason has said in in this comment, that uh, 
most of us don't have khushu'. Uh, it's, uh, it's not because we are texting and playing on their phones in the prayer, but we're so busy playing on the, our phones and texting just before the prayer. And we're so eager for the prayer to finish to see who has tweeted us, who has texted me, who has liked my post, who has done this and who has forwarded it, that I, there's no time to think about Allah. There's no time to have reverence of Allah when actually uh, my my heart is attached more to my my mobile phone. My smartphone, subhanAllah. And then we're saying, Fansurna ala al kafirin. And we're making dua, we're making dua for this, we're making dua to protect us here, we're making dua for. <laughs> With a heart like this, we, you know, we have to rethink just how we are as Muslims. Uh, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to help us. Those who shun vain conversation. And those who, then the, the next quality, after uh, shunning vain talk and vain conversation, and those who scholars differ about how what this means. So one of the rule, one of the things is those who pay the zakat. The problem about this meaning, those who pay the zakat, is that we know for sure that zakat became an obligation in the second. Uh, in the second year after Hijrah, whereas this surah, Surah Al-Mu'minun, actually is a Makki surah, is a surah that was revealed before the Hijrah took place. So some scholars have said it can't be the zakat in the normal sense of the word when Allah says, and, and, and give your zakat in that sense. With the, you know, the zakat as the you know the a third pillar of Islam, zakat, zakat here can either mean that Allah says in the Quran, even in one of the Makkan surahs, that on your wealth there is something that you owe from it. So even though the zakat as the third pillar uh, of Islam hadn't yet been legislated, but some scholars say because of one of the verses in the Quran that there was a type of duty to give from your wealth, even in Makkah, but it wasn't two and a half percent fixed, you know, with all the conditions and the obligations. Now, it wasn't the zakat that we, we understand today. Other scholars say uh, maybe, but it could probably, it's probably just referring to the linguistic language word of zakat, Zakat lughawi, which zakat just means purification. So, and those who, and the word fa'ilun, okay, fa'il, normally you don't have that. You have atu zakat, but here you have fa'il, making a fi'l of zakat, which is again a reason why it can't be that third pillar kind of zakat. Here it actually means, and those who, uh, work to cleanse themselves. Of course, it could include cleansing our wealth from us not becoming too attached to it and too greedy with it. So that could, but it's the inward cleansing that seems to be, it's the cleansing inwardly and outwardly that seems to be what is being referred to here. And Allah knows best. Wallahu and those who uh, work to cleansing themselves. Okay. So that's spiritual purification of the heart, 
cleansing our beliefs, cleansing the actions of our heart, cleansing our tongue in what we say and what we don't say, cleansing our eyes from what it sees and doesn't see, ears likewise, cleansing our relationship with wealth in terms of we don't want to be greedy hoarders, cleansing our relationships of ego, trying to remove our ego from our relationships, whether it be our relationship with our parents, our spouses, our children, our neighbors, our friends, just getting the ego out or just pushing the ego as far back as it can go so that it doesn't interfere uh, in relationships. One of the biggest issues of marital relationships is ego. Okay. Uh, how many are Muslim marriage? has these petty rows and squabbles and arguments and they're not over anything significant or major but all it is it's ego it's either the ego of the husband that he just can't shut up and be a man or it's it's the ego of the woman or both right and no one has that islam to say well you know what maybe i should just keep quiet it's not really worth arguing about you know and my marriage is uh, should be more precious to me than just arguing my spouse my wife or my husband and certainly the rights of my children have they have a right over us that we don't squabble about, squabble about these things because when we squabble about these things there is a third person involved shaitan and shaitan whispers even more to kind of separate the hearts maybe the hearts weren't going to be that separated through an argument maybe it was something that both husband and wife would have just like kind of dusted themselves down and said all right yeah, we had a good we had a good fight and then they just get on but shaitan is there and he can whisper insidious things to poison the hearts beyond our control so why let him in in the first place and those who uh, who 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 actively try to cleanse themselves and those and those who guide who, those who guard their private parts, meaning those who protect their chastity. And so they don't fall into zina, okay, uh, adultery or fornication. And they don't fall into any acts of fahisha, any indecent, shameless acts. And it's uh, easier said than done, especially in this age when going back to the smartphones or social media the the thing that hogs most social media meaning the the thing that there are more websites about porn and pornography and and these types of shameless images and even if it isn't porn according to the definition of modern secular societies uh, but even men and women not being dressed pop, uh, properly appropriately according to islamic norms is could be argued that it's porn okay it i mean not in that in the same sense i i, I mean it in a very loose way um and there it is at the click of a button there it is on the uh, on the advertisement board on the on the billboard there it is uh in you know in this commercial there it is in that movie there it is in this uh in this tv program and it's it's coming at us 24 7 24 7 
So perhaps this might be an age that we have to try harder than any other age. Every other age, every age had this difficulty and this temptation, this fitna. But not in the way that this age has it. Our children are being sexualized in one form or the other with one gender, gender identity issue or another from primary school age, kindergarten age. Subhanallah. And things for the foreseeable, foreseeable new, near future are likely not to get better, but perhaps to get worse. So those who guard their chastity, except from their wives and what their right hands possess, for then they are not to blame, except through a lawful contract of marriage, of nikah now, or and in centuries gone by, not just in the Islamic world, but in the generally known world, um, prisoners of war, female prisoners of war, like male prisoners of war, could be bought and sold and possessed by uh, by uh, by owners, and those people would be slaves, uh, and uh, they would be owned by masters. That is what is being referred to by what their right hands possess, meaning those female slaves owned by a male master, providing there is a contract, then Islam uh, didn't just uh, uh, didn't um, say right, no slave trade. That's it, but uh, it dealt with it in trying to make it more humane and working on encouraging the freeing of slaves. So in our books of fiqh, we have a chapter on freeing slaves, uh, but we don't really have a chapter, and it has quite a few rules, and where, where, when, and how, and there's lots of hadiths to encourage freeing slaves, but we don't have a chapter on getting slaves per se. Um, point being is, in Islam, a man and a woman being together must be through a lawful contract. In the, Now it's nikah and only nikah. It can't be any other thing. It can't be, oh, well, you know what? Uh, she's my sister in Islam and I can just chill out with her and this, that and the other. And he's my brother in Islam and we can just lounge about and just... No. I'm not suggesting that there needs to be like a, a Saudi or an Afghani type of uh, ultra conservative uh, um, actions on male female gender interaction. No, that's uh, suitable to wherever it's suitable to. But nor should we go to the other end. I, I won't say the other extreme because that's not necessarily an extreme if it fits a particular time and place. If it doesn't fit a particular time and place, then even that Afghani-Saudi thing is going to be extreme. But go to the other end and all of a sudden we're just kind of chilling out, you know, liberal style, you know, laughing and joking with the opposite uh, sex and whatever, yet we have hormones, yet shaitan is there, yet we have passions that need fulfilling, yet, 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 and all of a sudden, oh, no, 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 but why are you putting these 
these parameters and these restrictions on me. Well, well, actually, I'm not. Actually, we're not. It's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it would be helpful if we Muslims found wherever we live, for, for example, here in the UK, um, in the United States, in Australia, or in Canada, wherever, whereby uh, it's not a majority Muslim country um, and it doesn't have even those uh, those chastity rules anymore, northern chaste norms. Now it's kind of the sky's the limit and any, anything and everything can go and quite often does. Um, so how do we balance our gender interaction without making it just so uh, strange and uh, abnormal, even to Muslims, avoiding the pitfalls of uh, of what we see in wider society. Those who guard their chastity except from their wives and what their right hands possess for them, there are no blame. But then Allah says after that, but whoever transgresses beyond this, whoever seeks to go beyond this, then they are the transgressors, those who have gone way past the limits. Okay. Okay. And then the next trait, but though uh, uh, and those who keep their trusts, their amana, and their ahad, their promises, pacts, treaties, covenants, their trusts and their pledges, amana, trust. I say to I say to my Muslim brother, uh, listen, Muslim brother, I'm just uh, I'm just going uh, to the mosque uh, for half an hour. Could you look after my shop for half an hour? He said, Yeah, absolutely. And then next time I, I come back half an hour later, and let's just say it's a bookshop, right, or a perfume shop. All the perfumes all over the place. You know, bottles are broken, perfumes have been spilt. Uh, the till is just open there for anyone to take on whatever uh, the carpet has been set alight but hey he stopped but he said he says to me oh yeah but at least I didn't let anyone come into the shop and steal something yep but what was the point you you, you broke your amana you said that you'd look after my shop that was an amana you didn't fulfill your amana you treated it in a way that you knew I wouldn't dis I would disapprove of. You treated it in a way that was entirely inappropriate, un-Islamic, in fact. So you haven't fulfilled your amana. Likewise, when Allah gives us children as an amana, we can't raise them in any way which we uh, we please. We can't deny them. Their right, which is to know Allah and His Prophet and to fall in love with Allah and His Prophet, and to know the religion of Islam. This is their haqq. This is what they were created for. And I, as a parent, but I want to just teach them dun, 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 so that they can get into Oxford, Cambridge, or Yale, or Harvard, or whatever. Fine. Let them get into these places, but not at the expense of not knowing 
Allah, his Rasul, the deen of Islam in a sound manner that befits where they are and who they are. Subhanallah. I've betrayed as a parent. I have betrayed. I have I am I am treacherous to the trust that was given to me by God. My tongue. Am I allowed to say or write anything on social media that pleases me? That kind of just the hawa, that kind of just my whims, just I feel like writing that, blah, 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 and off I go typing away or however with the thumbs. No, because my tongue, my, my thoughts, you know, the ability to think and, and uh, intellectualize, let alone the ability to have, you know, move my joints and fingers, it's an amana, it's a trust. I'm not allowed to do anything I want with them because they're not mine. My body is not, my life is not mine. Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'oon. To Allah we belong. Inna lillahi. Who is the malik? It's Allah. I don't own my wife. She doesn't own me. Allah owns us. I mean, there are some Muslim men who, who think they own their wives. May Allah, uh, may Allah make them true men. And raise them from their ignorance. But it's a man, it's an a man, a trust. Let alone uh, my parents really worked hard for me and sent me to a really good school so that I could, uh, you know, I could get a decent education and try to make my way in the material world, as opposed to you know, they didn't care for me and whatever, and you know, I ended up kind of just shoe shining or whatever, which is a halal job, no doubt at all. I'm not saying anything, but you know, shoe shining shoes, you know, like you know, 15 hours a day and getting a pittance for it is probably really not what a person ideally would want to do if he had a he or she had a choice. I don't know if people who shoe shine anymore, but anyway. But his parents, they've like uh, money to go into 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 good school, into good college, maybe into uni. It's an amana. So I should I should be attending the lessons and paying attention because actually me being there is a trust that my parents gave to me or my parents had a contract with the, uh, the education uh, institute that look, my son or my daughter will be going there. Then let me actually turn up to the lessons and, and do my best to try to get that qualification. In fact, wherever we are, we might find that there is an amana at work. And if it's not an amana, a promise. I have promised to do this. I have signed a contract at work that for these seven hours, barring my lunch break and maybe a tea break and whatever, I'm going to be working for this company doing what this company wants me to has has hired me to do i can't be skiving off right okay there and just like kind of taking um unlicensed breaks why because that's against the promise i have made a pact a pledge you know <laughs> um Sometimes we discuss, and this was a discussion that I, I, I caught 15 minutes of this particular discussion on the Green and Baker podcast, which is the podcast that comes before uh, the Seekers and Sleepers podcast every Saturday evening. But this was last week's podcast. So Dr. Abdul Baker and, and Abdurrahim Green, uh, Allah bless them both and increase them in goodness. They were um, talking about 
um, character, good character and dower. Now, I don't want to go into the whole thing. And you can watch the podcast, last week's podcast. It's online in, in Jala. Um, and um, Ustad Abdurrahim made a good point. He says that he finds it, I mean, these aren't his words, but he, he, he finds it odd that we Muslims, even now we're talking about good character, our good character will be our dawah. And he says, no, that, that's, I don't think that's the case anymore. And the reason why he says that is because we live in a society generally, I mean, forget about past one or two years, but on the whole, we live in a society generally where you go into a shop and you make a contract. I buy this for that much. Uh, and if it's a faulty good, I can go back and I should have I will have no problem returning. it. I might have to queue up in a queue and wait a while, but there'll be no problem returning it because there's a trust that the whole issue of yeah, Abdurrahim says society, modern society, for example, in the UK works on general trust. We trust no one's really going to beat us up unnecessarily, even though crime does happen. We trust that, you know, uh, buying and selling will follow rules. And if there is some violation of the rule or if there is a faulty product, that there will be other rules and uh, principles whereby we can settle it. He says, so when Muslims come along and they say and they say, well, you know, we we should have good character and by good character. We don't mean, unfortunately, and this was Abdurrahim's point, we don't really mean being on time okay avoiding bribery try to be underhanded and this isn't to do this isn't islam but so much of the of the muslim community in britain not the majority i'm not saying that but too many of us are characterized as being people who are not trustworthy in terms of amana or ahad Come to the Walima at 4 p.m. You know no one is going to be there until 7. And then we have to give the hall back at 9. And we're going to go well over that without permission because everything started late in the first place. Trust. Promises. I say to the to to the to to my father-in-law to be that you know I uh, please I would like to I, I wish to uh, take your daughter's hand in marriage, and without the father even saying it, you know that most fathers, nearly all fathers, all all fathers will 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 want that man to treat their daughter well. There's an unspoken promise, and yet the promise gets broken sometimes. And the Muslim man, the man, may not treat the, his wife as Allah commands. If, if, so the point being is, when we're talking about good, qual, good, good character, these issues come first. Not, how shall I can smile, and I've got a lovely, sweet way of speaking. Come to my house, I give you cappuccino with biscuits. I give you three types of samosa. Yeah, this is nice, mashallah, bismillah. Improve that's fantastic. But those things aren't from the essence of character. The things that are in Surah Al-Mu'minun are the essence of character. 
And finally, it says, and those who keep their trusts and their pledges. Uh, also, trust, pledges. Um, now that I'm not at work, in, in the UK, there is a national health service. There, are, there is help from the government in terms of those who don't work or those who work but don't get enough pay to pay their basic utility bill, bills. And there are, and though it's not, but uh, it's by no means a perfect system. And over the last 10, 15 years, the, the bureaucracy plus the amount of claims they have to deal with has just got worse and worse and worse. And it's almost ground the system to a halt. But still, there is something there. And even in COVID, um, government policies are such that some of the vulnerable are being reached with extra help. And yet here I am, I'm going to lie about how much money I'm earning or not. Not, not, because, it, it, the, the, not because the system is faulty and if I don't do that, uh, I'll be a, a thousand pounds a year worse off. And I won't be able to pay even basic bills, though I'm not saying that you should cheat. But just for the sake of greed, I already have my house in Dubai. I have I have land in India. I have this, but I'm going to claim on the uh, on the on the house of Bennett for, form that I have no house here. I'm just renting. You're a liar, and your money is haram. And don't be surprised if don't be surprised if Allah throws your Hajj in your face as a sin, because you did Hajj on despicable money. Oh, what you want an alim you didn't know that this is haram, really? So, unfortunately, we Muslims in the UK. We are not considered as, oh, you know what, those strange people with strange beliefs and, you know, 1400 years ago practices, whatever. But wow, their character, honesty and integrity shines like a brilliant light. That's how they should be thinking. But how can they think or see, say that about us when we don't have that character? That is what is going to be the character of the of Dawa, not just nice people, because in general, Britain is full of nice people. Your average non-Muslim is generally nice in the in that broad sense of the term. Um, so let's not confuse. This is the this is real character, and then other character builds up on on this. So the last thing that. Uh, quality in the ayah after after uh, those who fulfill their uh, trusts and their promises wow and those who safeguard their prayer or protect their prayer but didn't we just start with prayer Ibn Juzay says, not sort of. Ibn Juzay, one of the great uh, scholars of Tafsir, he says, in verse number two, those who have khushu in their prayer, it wasn't about the prayer itself, it was how to be in the prayer. This verse, 
and those who guard their prayer is about the prayer itself. And the fact that prayer is mentioned twice, verse two, verse uh, verse nine, just shows us the importance of prayer. In fact, in the Sahih Hadith, in one of the Sunans, Sunan Ibn Majah, I think, and the best of your deeds is the prayer. The best of your deeds is the prayer. The prayer is the great amana. The prayer is the great turning away from the lahu, the futile speech, and to try to be in the hadra of Allah, to, in the presence of God, through salah, through sajda, through ruku, through reciting the Qur'an. Those who uh, guard their prayer, it's not just guarding uh, the the prayers that they should be we should be praying in a day and a night it's also guarding the conditions of the prayer the obligations of the prayer uh, to the adab of the prayer some of the scholars say it's not just guarding the it's not just about the obligatory prayers it's about the uh, the sunnah the prayers that are play, prayed along with the obligatory prayers so isha has two rakah after it of sunnah Maghrib has two rakah after it of sunnah, Dhuhr has four rakah before it and two rakah after it of sunnah, or if you're humbly, two rakah before it, two rakah after it, Fajr has two rakah before it. These emphasized sunnahs are also to be guarded, but on the whole, guarding the prayer. And then Allah says to finish it, those were the traits. Those are the inheritors those are the inheritors but it actually doesn't tell you in this verse what do they inherit it's a way of allah trying to trying to pique our attention oh, oh, we inherit what, what do we inherit what do the believers inherit to be interested to kind of keep the suspense hanging on because the best things always come last so to speak Okay, the ulaqahum uh, alwarithun. Those who are those are the inheritors. Alladina yarithun alfirdaus hum fiha khalidun. Those who inherit alfirdaus, the highest jannah, not just jannah, the highest jannah, hum fiha khalidun, to stay therein forever. So, um, action points just to, to round up today's uh, discussion. The believers are successful because they are the true believers are those, the true seekers are those who uh, work on khushu in their prayer, uh, minimum try to bring presence of heart in their prayer, slow down their prayer a bit so that the prayer is pray, paid with, uh, prayed with attentiveness, understanding, stillness in accordance with the rules. They avoid lahui, lahu, uh, whether it's in speech or action, futile and vain conversation or action. They leave alone that which doesn't concern them. And that really means rethinking our whole attitude on social media. 
if I have more than one game on my phone as an app, delete all of them, barring one. And in fact, if you can delete the other, all of them, bismillah, because it is just a waste of time. Because what happens, any spare minute I get, I'm waiting for the bus. I'm sitting, you know, in the doctor's surgery. I'm here, I'm there, I'm... I'm going to be back on that game to reach level X or level Z. And it will take me away. And this is not, oh, it happens now and again. This is, it happens to most people most of the time. That should have been the time that my tongue had a right over me to say, Astaghfirullah, Allahumma salli ala Muhammad. Subhanallah, walhamdulillah, wala hawla, wala quwata illa billah. It should have, but it doesn't because I engineered my life to distract me from Allah. And whatever way we look at that, that has got to be despicable, right? So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he forgive us our sins, that he make our thinking straight, that he correct our hearts, that he removes the stench and the darkness from our souls, that he liberates us with the nur of wahi, with the light of revelation, and with a deep and profound understanding of his book and his message and a deep desire to make the Prophet our greatest qudwa, our greatest example, our greatest exemplar, such that all of these celebrities and whatever, they just fade into insignificance. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he save us from ourselves and takes the reins of control in our life. Because without Allah's help and Allah's control, we are going to drive our lives like a car into a wreck. Any pressing questions? I think I'm not quite sure. Did we we shot well over time there, um, Brother Hassan. Yeah, it's quarter to quarter to ten, so you know I should have stopped uh, half past nine. Um, any any questions or any kind of uh, important comments that really is important to say? Can we have a stream on Nisa sixty six? So off the top of my head, I can't remember what Nisa sixty six is, but I I'll promise you this, uh, brother Ovik. I'll go back and have a look at what 66 is. And if it kind of falls into the general uh, sphere of the program and of the themes, then inshallah ta'ala, at some point or the other, we will do Nisa 66, inshallah ta'ala. Jazakumullah khayn for your request. Barakallah fikum, Brother Jasim. May Allah bless you and increase you in goodness. 
and salams to uh, all of the brothers and sisters have, who have given their salams. I know they didn't give their salams just to me, but to everybody else as well. But wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Uh, there's a hadith that says that sadaqah even uh, that even saves you from danger. Yeah, absolutely. You're you're right, um, uh, sister. That save yourself from the fire, even if it be given, even if it be by giving half a piece of date away in charity. Hadith in Bukhari. Because the Muslim is one who should be a giver more than he or she is a taker. One of the essential qualities of a believer is khidma, khidma, service. The Prophet says, nas nas. The best of people are those who are who are of most benefit unto others. I'm just going to turn on the main light because the other one's doing. In a Sahih hadith. The Prophet says the best of people are those who are of most benefit to others. So our the, our life as Muslims should be of benefit to others as well in whatever way we can. But the greatest benefit that we probably can give to our, uh, uh, our co-countrymen and women using binary gender uh, is to help them if they haven't arrived at Islam already to help them reach a realization of Islam of of loving submission to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and if they're not even at that level they're not even at the level of believing if believing in God we need to help them the best way we can help them is to help restore the remembrance of God in their lives and hopefully that will be a step to closer to Islam we need to help them question some of the liberal assumptions of the age in which we live and question how right or wrong they are, how beneficial they are for humanity or how they're not. We need to help them question, are we not just driving this, this juggernaut of consumerism with all of us in it off the cliff edge? Uh, and shouldn't we be talking about how to apply the brakes, how to slow down? maybe even how to reverse. We need to be of benefit unto others. We ask Allah for, for tawfiq for doing that. Uh, if there are no final questions, let's uh, round it off, inshallah ta'ala. Uh, there are one or two sunnah ways of finishing a gathering. One of them is a very easy way. It's by reciting Surah Al-Asr. It comes in a hadith, which is at least a Hassan hadith. Um, that the companions, when they would depart from a gathering, they would each recite to themselves or mumble to themselves Surah Al-Asr. So, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim wal-Asr, inna l-insanu lafi khusr, illa ladhina amanu wa amilu salihat, wa tawasu bil-haqqi, wa tawasu bil-sabr, subhan rabbik rabbil izzati amma yasifun, wa salamun ala al-mursaleen, wa alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen, wa salamu alaykum wa rahmatullah. Oh.